morning. Just to share something with you, I'm going to be a bit vulnerable. We all have some habits, don't we? Don't say no. Because I've discovered the person closest to you knows your worst habits. And I'm going to go and ask all the wives of those who said no after the meeting what your habits are. (laughs) Basil. (laughs) One of my habits, and I'm just going to confess straight up, one of my mundane habits is how I tackle my meals. So when I sit down to eat, Shelley finds it so interesting because I'll eat all my veggies and my potatoes and my rice and I leave the meat for last. Is that a good habit? And she, like, she can't understand it. She says, why do you leave the meat for last? I said, well, I always leave the best for last. I love meat. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> That's a good habit, eh? <laughs> and as we land our radical series today, it seems like when I read Paul's letter to the Galatian churches that he's saving the best for last. We read his letter. He's saving the best for last. Everything that he has taught us, everything that has encouraged us through his letter to Galatians is wrapped up in the most amazing truth. God has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. So what Paul's doing, his whole letter is wrapped up in this one truth. He says, your standing in Christ and your walk in Christ, let that be your focus. And then he goes on to unpack a few things, and he has to remind us of what Christ has done for us. Christ has truly set us free. He reminds us as we read that truth, we have truly been set free in Jesus Christ, set free from the law, set free from sin, and now we get to live in this most amazing moment, in this amazing space where we get to worship this holy God to the law. And so he has to remind us of what Christ has done to live in the liberty that his grace has brought us, road bumps that we face. And road bumps come in the way of which we'll read just now of legalists that try to put God's people back under bondage. And he knows, when we read this letter, he knows it's clear that there are doubters of the doctrine of grace and liberty. And they think because now you've been set free, you you live in this liberty in Jesus Christ, because you're no longer subject to the law, we're going to slide back into licentiousness. Paul says, actually, that's not the case. We'll look at that just now. And so what these legalists come is they come and they put people under bondage. And this is the issue that he tackles in his letter to Galatians. Because they are teaching that the only way to be right with God is to be circumcised. An outward sign of your commitment to Him. And he is contending for the faith of those who follow Jesus Christ. And he's encouraging as we read this letter for ourselves in our context now, live free. Live in the freedom for the liberty that Christ has purchased for you is the essence of this message. He encourages us to stand firm and walk free. (laughs) And that's the title of my message, Stand and Walk. Stand and walk, stand and walk. Galatians chapter 5 verse 12, we just see something of Paul's heart revealed and what he thinks about these legalists. And, uh, you know, Paul writes letters to the church, and it gets, especially when he's dealing with the church in Corinth, 
But in this case, the legalist, he's actually being quite radical because he says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 12, I just wish that those troublemakers, he calls them troublemakers, who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. So he's in fact saying, I just wish they would go all the way and cut everything off. That's radical, that. (laughs) Ouch, if you're a man, ouch. You might think that Paul's been overly dramatic. As he, like I read that, I thought, why would that be included in Scripture? How can he be so radical suggesting emasculation for them? But you know, Paul is actually wanting us to understand that legalism is not a little matter. It's not a little matter. Can't just treat it lightly. If we step back, friends, into legalism, we will lose our liberty, the liberty that Christ has purchased for us. That's what Paul is saying. That's why he's so radical about saying, I wish that they would mutilate themselves and chop it all off. You see, the problem with legalism, it brings us under bondage. It, help, it makes us lose our love of God. And it takes away the glory of the cross. That's what liberty does. That's why Paul puts front and center in this letter as we read Galatians chapter 5, uh, the freedom that Christ has purchased for him. That's his, his platform. That's his starting point for encouraging us to stand firm for the liberty that Christ has purchased for us. Don't go back to slavery. Don't go back to the law. Don't go back to your old way of living, content for this new life that He has purchased for us. And that is worth an amen. You see, legalism makes Jesus and the work of the cross of no profit to us. Just last week, let's share the story. I have their permission to share it. And so I'm not betraying any trust, and I won't mention names. But last week, there's this young couple in our community that were having dinner one night somewhere. And uh, they uh, happened to be sitting next to a table. There was a Bible study next to them. And they were listening to these young men discussing the Bible. And they thought, spirit-led, this couple, spirit-led. I believe they were spirit-led. Felt. They wanted to encourage them. Gave them a scripture. My goodness. (laughs) It unleashed a beast. I know those young men at that table. They did not respond kindly. Their accusation as they received this encouragement was you drunk in the Holy Spirit and they belittled the work of the Spirit in their lives. To me, when I heard that, I I just said to them, relax, man. There's no love of Christ in those guys. They are legalists. I almost felt like Paul felt. (laughs) Well, I didn't say it. (laughs) No love in that kind of ministry. Only judgment and division. That's what Paul sort of warns us against. So he says, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, the very first part. I'm going to anchor my message in this this morning. Paul writes, he says, so I say, so I say in view of the grace and the mercy, the liberty that Christ has purchased for you. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. The Bible is very emphatic about living a spirit-filled life when I read that. I don't know how we can navigate life as a Christian, born again, without the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And this view of the work of the Holy Spirit in a redeemed person's life is contrary to the view of the legalists. So here were these guys talking about the Bible, negating the power of the Spirit, judging those who are filled by the Spirit, who are living the life that Jesus intended them to live, and knocking them for that. If we live according to the law, then we have to depend on the energy of the flesh. We read in John chapter 6, verse 63, the danger of that, because human effort accomplishes nothing. To play to the fears of the legalists. So I'm going to play devil's advocate here for a moment. Thinking our freedom in Christ is our license to sin, okay? That's their problem. Freedom of Christ, you're going to have license to sin. It is a problem if we try to navigate life as a Christian without the power of the Holy Spirit. We will. We will. We will. We will succumb to the flesh, our sinful nature. Paul highlights this struggle in Galatians chapter 5, verse 17. This is what he writes. He says, The sinful nature wants to do evil which is just the opposite, by the way, of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting. They're in conflict. So you're not free to carry out your goodness. Imagine, without the power of the Holy Spirit, how do we live free? Anyone experience that kind of struggle? Be honest, because I certainly have. You know, when your finger hovers over the, the certain button that takes you to a prohibited site, you know? It's a struggle. It's a flesh wrestling. I'm speaking to the men here. Not only the men, because I believe it's a problem maybe for some ladies. Our sinful nature battling our new nature. The struggle that happens. There's a picture in Genesis chapter 8. We might have read it and just paid it not much attention. Remember the flood when Noah built the ark. Now we're going back in time to our children's church Sunday school days. The flood came. Noah built an ark prepared for it. So remember he sends out a couple of birds. Sends out a raven first. Raven doesn't come back. He sends out... A dove. Dove comes back. Sends a dove out a second time. Comes back with an olive leaf in its mouth. He knows that uh, the waters are receding. Life is coming back again. Sends it out a third time. The dove stays away. He knows the waters have receded. There's life now. We can carry on. Life is normal. It's interesting that that raven is a carrion eater. So what it does is it was feeding of the carcasses of the dead animals floating on the water. That's why it didn't come back. It's an unclean bird. There's this picture that we see. Carrion bird. Raven. Dove. Dove comes back, rests where there is honor. You can read that, Genesis 8, verses 7 and 8. And our old nature, Paul is saying, be careful here. 
He says, our old nature is like the raven. It has an appetite for things unclean. There's a picture there in the Bible that our old nature, if we let it rule, if we let it reign, if we give it time to manifest, it's like the raven, it'll feast of things unclean. The new spirit-led nature, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, is like the dove that always comes back to rest on that which is clean and holy. And this conflict that is highlighted by Paul that we see in Genesis 8 is between the old nature and this new nature cannot be overcome by our own strength or by our will. Tried? Failed? Yes. But for the power of the Holy Spirit. Only He. Not an it. He. Not just some figment of somebody's imagination. Third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, has equal honor and glory that Jesus and God the Father carry. He is the only one that can help us and enables us and empowers us to live in the liberty that Paul speaks about that Christ has given us. Listening and obeying a bunch of laws won't help us. That's why Jesus came. (laughs) Remember? Old Testament, time after time, time after time, people failed. Could not keep themselves holy by a bunch of law. John chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus tells us when we read it. He says, I will ask the Father. He will give you another advocate who will never leave you. Isn't that a beautiful promise? He will never leave you. He is capital H. Just a question this morning. Is He, capital H, the Holy Spirit, prominent and preeminent in our lives today? Just a question. He is the Holy Spirit. And this is a work of the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. He lives with you now and later will be in you. This word advocate is also translated as counselor. And Brad can explain that a lot better than me, so I'm not even going to try. He comes from a legal background. When we willingly submit to the counsel of the Holy Spirit, He leads us in all truth. So when we want to do what the Bible says we shouldn't be doing, He says don't do it, and He enables us not to do it if we listen to His voice. We are not without excuse, friends. Cannot say, well, I can't help it. The devil made me do it. The devil works with our will. Amen? I don't want to give him airplay. I'd rather give Jesus airplay. But I've heard that excuse so often. He made me do it. No, no. He didn't make you do it. You just gave him a foothold by giving him your will to work with. I'm not cross. <laughs> I'm just passionate about Jesus. <laughs> I, want, I still live a free life. <laughs> How does the Holy Spirit lead us? I'm glad you asked because I'm going to answer that for you. <laughs> Galatians, come with me. Galatians chapter 5, verse 24. Paul says, 
writes, encourages us, promise, it's a promise actually from heaven. Those who belong to Jesus Christ. Okay? Those, so he's assuming now, born again saved, right? Those who belong to Jesus Christ have nailed the passions and the desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. That's the first part of the scripture. So Paul's saying then, if we belong to Christ, in other words, if we've received Jesus as our Lord and Savior, then our lives demonstrate who is Lord and Savior in our lives, surely. Okay? That's what Paul is saying. If I belong to Christ, my standing, then my life bears witness to the confession, the one that I testify about. And who does my life testify? Should my life as a Christian testify about? Jesus Christ. Then Paul goes on and he writes in terms of our walk. Tackled the standing, but now he talks about our walk. Since we are living by the Spirit. So he's assuming, born again, saved, received the Holy Spirit as our counselor. Now we walk by the Spirit. That's what he's assuming. Since we live by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading. And then he says something very interesting in every part of our lives. Not just when you raise your hands on a Sunday and sing, holy, 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 but you walk out, your life is a mess. Your marriage is a mess. Your relationships are a mess. Every part. Follow the Holy Spirit's leading every part. Every part. Nothing excluded. Please say with me, every part. And what do you think every part means? <laughs> clever, clever folk. So living by the Spirit, Paul is saying, let us be sensitive. Let us be sensitive to His leading and His influence. In other words, listen. Not just listen. Because I think we can be good at listening, but very slow in responding. Listen and respond to his promptings. Romans chapter 13, verse 14. Again, Paul unpacks this aspect of being led by the Holy Spirit in a slightly different way. And he says, instead of feeding our sinful nature, this is how we are to walk. If we are led by the Spirit, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Bring in our lives, every part of our lives, under the counsel of the Holy Spirit. The choices we make, the things we will do, the things we won't do, all under His direction. And so the question I have to ask myself this morning, in light of this truth, and maybe we ask ourselves, is do I indulge my desires or do I listen to the Holy Spirit? Which voice is the one that you are feeding? See, the Bible tells us that you're not obligated to do. Romans chapter 8, verse 12, don't have time. But the Bible tells us we are not obligated to do what our sinful nature urges us to do. Freedom, 
I'm obligated to honor Him, not obligated to listen to my sinful nature. Make sense? It's good to be reminded of these things, isn't it? It's like so basic, but it's things we forget in the journey of life. Maybe things we downplay in the journey of life, giving our sinful nature room to thrive. We can have victory over our sin desire. That's a promise of the Bible. Paul says, crucify the flesh. And we crucify the flesh by the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 13. Through the power of the Spirit. Not your will. Not your strength. Through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature. And then he goes on to say, if you do this, you will live. And that's a promise. You will live, you'll live free. Free from the consequences and the effects of that. So again, to use the bird illustration, maybe the music team can come up, please. To use this bird illustration in Genesis 8, if we claim to be Christ followers, we aren't ravens. We claim to be Christ followers, we aren't ravens. We, in the view of this truth that Paul shares, do not be yourselves yoked to slavery again. We are free, live in freedom. And that freedom entails that we live a life worthy of the calling that we have received, standing in Jesus Christ. We don't get this freedom now to gratify the flesh anymore, don't we? We carry a responsibility now to crucify the sinful nature. And we do it daily, friends, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul wraps up this whole incredible truth and he lands his letter to Galatians. And uh, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 11, if you have your Bibles with you or however you read it, you'll see Paul writes this verse in capital letters. This is like his summation of the letter. And he leaves them with this incredible truth. Galatians 6, verse 11, he says, Notice what large letters I use as I write these closing words. In my own handwriting. I want to draw our attention to Galatians 6 verse 14. He says, as for me. As for me. Please say, as you read that scripture with me, as for me. Okay, so you're personalizing it now. You're not reading Paul's truth for Paul. You're reading the Bible truth for yourself. As for me. May I never boast about anything. Accept the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, and only because of that cross, no other reason, because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified. And the world's interest in me has also died. Paul writes this in bold letters. It's not just written for him. It's written for every person that has been redeemed, reconciled with God the Father through the blood of Christ because of the work of the cross. The world's influence has died. And this morning, friends, I understand we are fallible. And we can make some wrong choices and some wrong decisions in life. I understand that. But we don't live there. There is a way out. There's a way back to freedom. There's a way back to liberty. And that is the cross.
what Jesus has done by His work upon the cross and who He has given us as our counselor to navigate life with its twists and turns and bumps in the road, the power of the Holy Spirit. And there are moments that I believe, the Bible speaks about in the book of Acts, where I believe that the cares and the worries of this world, maybe the interests of this world, have emptied this temple to a certain extent of Holy Spirit power. We come back into His presence and we say, Lord Jesus, glory and honor to you. Fill me again. Fill me again. Would you mind standing with me this morning? We sang this song earlier. And I just wrote down a couple of words from that song. We sang the song, If you walk in freedom, if you bear His name. We can sing that song with our hands raised high. We can. It might sound good. But like I said earlier, our lives could be broken and messy. Might have made some decisions that are unglorifying, raven decisions. This morning, Jesus is saying, come back where the cross is your focus. Just going to give the Holy Spirit a moment. It's amazing what He can do in a moment. You don't need to spend hours in, his, in a moment. You know, if you've made some raven decisions, you can be set free instantly. It huh? doesn't take hours. Moment. Moment with Jesus can free you, bring you back into liberty. Just while the music team will play and facilitate a moment, let's just say, Holy Spirit, invite Him to fill again. The fire of His presence burn again every heart. Burning out that dross. Bringing forth new life. Come, Holy Spirit, you're welcome in every heart, in mine. You're welcome. Come. you need ministry that this word this morning God has spoken you step forward we would love as a leadership to stand with you and pray with you no shame to say I want to be free There's no shame in that
people come forward, the rest of us, let's worship this King who is worthy of our praise.